The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Engaging conversation with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. Well, as we've been talking about for the last hour, it just kind of took off as we uh, got on the air at 2 o'clock, handed a piece of paper with the headline that says, Calgary Olympic Council recommends cancelling bid to host 2026 uh, games because, um, you know, the acceptable funding is not in place and that, um, well, Calgarians are supposed to have a plebiscite, a plebiscite yeah. in two weeks. And they said it's not fair for them to vote on any plebiscite. Well, it becomes pointless, really. There's no funding uh, arrangement put in place. And uh, just a short while ago, received a phone call from Dr. Bob Stedward. Hi, Dr. Bob. Hello, Jalen. How are you this uh, afternoon? Hi. And to Andrew. Hi. Um, and so, and you had texted uh, or sent me an email and said, I have a former IOC member, so let's talk about this. Sure. Mm-hmm. So thanks for giving us a shout, and thanks for listening down in Calgary. Oh, you're you're welcome, but I'm in Edmonton. Oh, you're in, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and listening uh, to the program, and there was just so much going back and forth and up and down, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, and there are so many perceptions that people have. I mean, it's, it's fine and important for people that have assumptions and opinions and everything, but uh, sooner or later... Uh, you know, there needs to be some, you know, factual information uh, put forward. Uh, I mean, I started my first uh, involvement, I guess, with the International Olympic Committee was back in 84, I guess, and in um, as Calgary was preparing to host the Olympics. And then, of course, later after that, I was elected as an IOC member at the same time when I was the the founding president of the International Paralympic Committee, so I, I spent a, a good number of years in all sorts of areas, and I know that people are quite uh, critical of the IOC because of the finances, because of sponsorship, because of uh, um, television, because of doping, and all those kinds of things. And in fact, back in 2000 or 2001, there was quite a large uh, scandal associated with the uh, Salt Lake City uh, Committee. So the uh, IOC appointed 12 people from around the world to investigate that and bring back uh, a report to the IOC. So I was one of those 12 people, mm-hmm. and, and we actually brought back 50 resolutions that were all passed unanimously to change sort of the culture, the, the structure, and the governance of the IOC so it could be more accountable, more uh, open-minded, more transparent. And I think it it has, it did achieve that for a number of years, but I think they're stumbling a, a little bit uh, again. But, you know, it's, uh, for well, these, for this bid coming up, I think there were 12 or 13 cities who had bid, and for one reason or another, they either dropped their bid or the IOC indicated they had not met the minimum uh-huh. criteria to continue with the bid. So so there are still are, uh, many cities who wish to host the games for whatever reason. And, uh, and I, I mean, I have my own 
opinions if we should or shouldn't. Uh, uh, I I believe that uh, going down the road because I did sit on a uh, on a commission here in Edmonton looking at the future of sporting opportunities and bidding, and I've always believed that world championships. Uh, can produce much more uh, benefits and legacies for a city than perhaps the uh, the Olympics can. So, Dr. Stewart, I have to ask, in your email yes. to Jay Lynn, you had said, boy, I hope Andrew's, you know, basically making it clear this is his opinion, which I thought I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I understand that, you know, I have a platform here and it's an important sure. one. Um, but were there erroneous statements made or is there anything you want to correct that you know either myself or our callers put out there that you don't believe is true or correct well i think i think what we have to realize is that the right now the city of calgary has a subcommittee that's focusing on the bid it's not the it's not the city's bid committee per se but it's a subcommittee of the city of uh, of city of calgary so they have to deal with that first and, and foremost, which which is true. And if that committee feels that uh, they're not in a position to move forward, then that's a, a decision that the city has to make. And so it's not so much the uh, the committee, uh, the community committee, if I can call it that, who's actually uh, putting the bid committee. Uh, in Canada, and see, we're structured differently in, in Canada, Andrew. We're, we're a democratic country, much different than many other countries around the world. Uh, I mean, we're, we're in a very fortunate situation, or some people feel it's maybe not a fortunate, that our, our governments at the municipal, provincial, and federal level are very good about supporting cultural, heritage, sporting events for Canada, and they put budgets together every year to look at opportunities to go down to go down the road. So, some, so those, sometimes there's a certain amount of money in those budgets to support bids to host um, major events. So we, so we have to realize that. However, you go south of the border, uh, it's a little bit easier because in the United States, um, they don't get funding from the governments. They have to do it all privately. So it's a much different uh, environment uh, and situation. So, so Bob, do you think that Calgary um, should be moving forward on this? Do you oh, think it could be a moneymaker? I'm going to put you on the spot. Sure, Jay Lynn. Thank you very <laughs> much. Well, <laughs> I, j- I look back at 1988 and they did a, a tremendous job, but that was 30 years ago. Yeah. And by the time the games come, it'll be 38 years. So, of course, there are a lot of challenges in upgrading facilities. Uh, they did have a great legacy in their in their volunteerism in the oval that they did. But the big thing is that they they created a huge, generous endowment. Uh, at Can Olympic Park with yeah. Wind Sport Institute, yeah. and uh, and that has brought in millions upon millions upon millions of dollars that has supported sport uh, in this country and our athletes to to get the best coaches and to train worldwide and to bring uh, I guess pride and recognition back to our country, and that was a direct uh, result of hosting. Uh, the Olympic Games. However, 
today is not 30 years ago, Jaylen, yeah. and and that as well concerns me. Uh, uh, like I would have rather have had the city, or, or pardon me, the province and the Fed say, this is what they requested because this is what they require. It's either yes or no. But they said, well, we'll give them this much money and either watch them squirm or say that mm-hmm. they can get it somewhere. So it, it put the bid committee in a difficult situation. So now they have a very, very big challenge in trying to make make it work because they have to recognize that uh, that so much money will come from the public investment, which is the $3 billion they talk about, but they also have to consider the additional 2 or 2.23 billion or whatever it is that they're going to have to generate to cover the costs of the games and that's going to have to come from the private sector mm. however you know in historically in the past the IOC did not provide any funding to bid committees but they're in a good situation now where where because they took over the the television there's more money available to them they're still turning con- companies down to become top sponsors and these top sponsors are paying hundreds of millions of dollars over an 8 or 10 year period so yes they do have a significant amount of money but on the other hand they're putting in billions of dollars back into the games but more importantly they have a worldwide solidarity fund and a huge amount of the money that's generated goes to those poor nations to offer sport and physical activity and health and lifestyles for those kinds of people so it's 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 not an it's it is complex but i think if they had the right people on that committee that have a strong business understanding and and have the ability to keep to the budget i think they could make it work but who knows uh, mm-hmm. and i think andrew mentioned about you, you know the recession that what's it going to be like in canada one year in seven years from mm-hmm. now before the games mm-hmm. it could be great or it could be a cesspool yep and uh, and we just have to be so care so c- careful about that well that's when we start talking about simply managing risk right that's true andrew that's true you know and 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 i guess having having spent 20 or 30 years of my life traveling to 150 countries around the world the the one thing i certainly notice are two or three things one is that most of those countries around the world think that uh, Canada is very flush with cash, that we're <laughs> looked upon as a very wealthy nation, mm-hmm. which, as we know, isn't true. And so they figure that we can just snap our fingers and we can host a major event and, oh, by the way, pay for the expenses of countries X, Y, and, and Z mm-hmm. coming to our countries. And, and, and those kinds of things uh, just aren't true. But sport is so incredibly important to many countries around the world and it's not high on the agenda in Canada. We might think it is, but in actuality when we compare it to many other countries, whether we're talking about Australia or US or some of the European nations, it's not a high profile because we don't even have a ministry of sport on its own. Most other countries do. Yep, that's true. You know, so it's it's a complex problem and 
you know, and I think we just need to be open-minded. We need to be transparent, and we need to reach out to the the Calgary Bid Committee and say, can we help? And, and I mean, cause, as you know, some people oh, time's mentioned pretty much it a long running time out. ago. Maybe this yeah. should have been a provincial bid. Yeah, well, and absolutely. That was it. Yeah, uh, just exactly <laughs> what I said, Doctor Stedward. Thank you so much. Now, listen uh, for providing balance. Uh, moving forward, you phone anytime. <laughs> Don't email me yeah, don't first, email Bob. Phone. Just well, call. I know, but I don't feel comfortable in doing that all the time. I, I love listening to you, and I get so much out of it. But this is just, I guess, a, you know, because I've been so involved. And, I mean, I've been involved in, I think, four or five bids over the last 20 years. And uh, But I just didn't feel comfortable in calling you. I like to listen to you. Mm. Well, we like to hear from you, Bob. Thanks for the call. Appreciate the balance. You're very, very welcome. And uh, continued good luck, and I love listening to you. Thank, Thank you so Thank you very much, Dr. Bob Stedward, joining us this afternoon. Former IOC member, it's 318. Thank you for your patience. Uh, our guests in studio 2018 marks the 100th centenary of the end of the First World War. In Edmonton, on November 11th, remembrance ceremonies will be held around the city, marking the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. Now, afterwards, a special tribute is being planned to commemorate 100 years since the end of the First World War. With the details, we're joined by Carolyn Patton, the chair of the Armistice, Armistice 100 Committee, and Lieutenant Colonel Mark Beer, the chief of staff for 3rd Canadian Division Support Group. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Uh, uh, both, and I uh, just want to mention, um, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Barry, you're on the uh, on the on the board as well. You're you're a part of all of this as well. Okay. Um, where did this idea come from, Carolyn? I know. I mean, last year you were behind the the Vimy celebrations, and it seems like you have this nonstop thirst to want to make sure that Edmontonians and Albertans know about uh, our military history. And uh, I know this has you written all over it. So, where did it come from? Well, it, it takes a village. It's it not does just one person. So it really, it really came from a collaboration of groups of people from the city of Edmonton, the government of Alberta, our friends at the Canadian Forces and the Edmonton Heritage Council. So we were the same group that had the Vimy uh, recognition last year on April 9th. And uh, we were asked to kind of bring the band back together <laughs> and uh, have this commemoration for... For one day, one. For one day only. <laughs> <laughs> one day only. Back by popular demand, sure. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is what we're doing uh, this year to recognize what's happening happening in Edmonton and Alberta. So maybe, um, I don't sh- I'm not sure who wants to answer this, but when we talk about why it is important to mark the 100th and, and, and the importance to Alberta, who wants to answer that one? Because I think we could probably go on and on. We could probably do a week of shows on on uh, on uh, on the importance to Alberta of, of World War One and certainly the sacrifice of Albertans during World War One. Yeah, that's right. So... I think that uh, what we do every year on Remembrance Day is to commemorate the sacrifice of those who uh, who gave everything during uh, during all conflicts, not just the uh-huh. First World War. But this year is important with it being the uh, the centenary of the armistice, and I think it's important that we continue to educate uh, Albertans and Canadians on the sheer sacrifices that uh, that 
we had during the First World War. Like when you when you look at the numbers, it's just very hard to fathom that many people. Like 620,000 enlisted, uh, 424,000 served overseas, of which 61,000 were killed. I mean, that's just staggering, isn't it? Mm-hmm. In Edmonton, it was uh, 20,000. Uh, soldiers signed up, 45,000 in Alberta, and that was really 10% of the province's population at that time. Hmm. And when you think about it, one in eight soldiers were killed from Alberta. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we often talk, of course, on November 11th about the ultimate sacrifice that individuals made, but it's really, isn't it about sacrifice in general? Uh, A lot of people uh, paid a sacrifice as a result of of both of those conflicts. Absolutely. And, and it wasn't just those that went overseas. The entire country was at mm-hmm. war. And if you weren't enlisted or deployed overseas, your day-to-day activities revolved around supporting the war effort. And it wasn't just in Canada. It was around the world. It hey, my mom worked in a bomb factory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It was on the home front. It was, yep. you know, wives, uh, girlfriends, children's families, the community was working hard to support soldiers that were overseas. So the armistice is really the end, mm-hmm. which is, you know, um, you know, peace, the world could breathe again. And so it was about the homecoming and yeah. about them coming home. And there was 30,000 people on the streets welcoming these soldiers home at that time. Yeah, you're giving me goosies when you when you talk about that because the webpage, your the um your, your webpage for this event has got some incredible photos on there and some background information on it. So the Armistice 100 tribute. Tell us about what is going to happen. Um, I think it starts at one o'clock in the afternoon. At that one o'clock uh, at the Alberta Legislature at the Capitol Plaza, which is the north end of the Capitol Plaza. It's an outdoor event, so dress warm. But it is a ceremony, a tribute ceremony from one to two. And then there are events and exhibits that happen from one to four. And, and our good friend, uh, mm-hmm. Lieutenant Colonel, mm-hmm. not his personal tank, but uh, a tank will be there. <laughs> Does he have a personal tank? <laughs> I do not. Not. <laughs> <laughs> Military would have landed over. <laughs> so, and, and that ceremony, what are we going to see at that ceremony? It's going to be a very interesting ceremony. So Her Honor, uh, Lieutenant Governor uh, Lois Mitchell will attend everything from VIP speeches to something called Piling of the Drums, which is a really unique ceremony cool. uh, that happens. Rebecca Lapa, which is a young uh, she artist. She sang here last year. Performing. And uh, we will have um, a narrator that will tell a three-part story of leaving battle and homecoming mm. the loyal Edmonton regimental band will play and uh, the drum line will be there too which is always spectacular yeah, cool. talk about this john mccray labyrinth oh sure that is um that is uh it's a circular labyrinth because his words at this point in time are very poignant mm-hmm. and uh, you can we have these large poppies that you can write a message of peace or a wish for the next hundred years and it's a contemplative um installation that you can walk along where the words are now tell us about the video well that was that was pretty cool mark jump in here um it was pretty well part of our committee uh that developed this idea and we uh, redid in Flanders fields for a new generation mm-hmm. and it was uh, connecting 1918 to 2018 oh. and creating an, a new version a new voice for 
the poetry itself. And where can people see that? They can see it at uh, on the website armistice100yeg.ca slash in Flanders Fields. If we could have a longer URL, that would be. <laughs> 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 and and um, the narrator of that is Hunter Cardinal. Hunter Cardinal, yeah, he did an incredible it's, it's, job. It's spectacular, and, and, and you know that, that poem is so poignant to, to begin with, and I know Leonard Cohen has done one in the past that oh, will send. And you know what? Hunter's, <laughs> Hunter's is really good. It's completely different, obviously, than Leonard Cohen. Yeah. But Hunter's is is really, really something else. So um, is there anything else that you want Edmontonians to know about this event and about uh, what they can expect if they want to find out more information, anything? So I think that the the biggest thing that they could take away from this is that uh, it's complementary to the commemorative events in the morning. So Remembrance Day means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. It's about remembering. Uh, it can be uh, very, we were talking about earlier, very emotionally draining. Uh-huh. Um, and it's about commemorating that sacrifice. Our event is about celebrating uh, the end of the Great War. And I think that that's the theme that we want to take away from this is that it's about celebration. It's a homecoming. Once nice. a, the website, once again, is armistice100yeg.ca. It's a beautiful website, lots of information on there, and you can find that uh, that the video of in Flanders Fields as well. Carolyn, Mark, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having thank us. You. Thank you. The 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad.